Welcome to Despirituality. Today we have as our guest, uh, Stone Amerily Eliezer. And what I want to do uh, before we get to talking to them about uh, what I think is going to be an exciting um, um, beginning of our series that's called Quiet Times That Work. Uh, over the next several podcasts, we're going to tackle an interesting, innovative, and what I believe will be an inspiring theme called Quiet Times at Work. And in thinking about quiet times that work, uh, you can go look on our website, www.deepspirituality.net, and you'll be able to find a quiet time series called How to Have a Great Quiet Time. And you can check out the article, the graphics that are there. Um, uh, the team has called it a comprehensive guide and how to have a quiet time. Uh, there's a graphic uh, there that says how to have a quiet time, a summary from the Deep Spirituality Devotional. So you can literally print this page out and be able to see a graphic uh, set of directions where if you're not comfortable reading long um, uh, post, uh, we've tried to think about that because not everybody, for, not, not everyone has an easy time reading. And so this graphic actually will tell you just about everything you need to know. It's, it actually was kind of funny because when I looked at it, I was like, man, did a lot of writing on that and it's reduced into one page graphic, which is pretty inspiring, but it's also funny. Uh, if I was good at art, I would have done that myself, but I'm not. So thank goodness we have a team of people who are. So what we're trying to do now is make sure that this moves from theory to results, to uh, action. And that's why we're going to call the next series of podcasts Quiet Times That Work. Now, there are three questions that I'm going to continue to repeat throughout. Uh, my name is Russ Ewell, and I'll be uh, working you through uh, these quiet times at work. And the three questions are, how am I doing spiritually? How are my friends doing spiritually? And this third question may sound a little big for our podcast, but how are we changing the world? I think when we're talking about a quiet times that works, it ought to help us do well spiritually. It ought to help our friends do well spiritually. And yes, it ought to change the world either by us doing good or us by us inspiring faith in other people. And one of the reasons I wanted to have the Eliezer's on is because I know they've done a lot of work uh, in their own family with their friends. Uh, we count ourselves, our family counts ourselves among them. Our producer, uh, Nathan Shafenoff, counts his family among those friends. They've, they've, they've answered these three questions really well both in their marriage at home and with their friends. And they've uh, learned how to have quiet times that work. And so we want to start off with them and what we're going to talk about, and I didn't tell my producer about this title, but the Older Christian's Guide to Reading the Bible. Not bad, huh? Maybe. Not, not bad. bad at all. That's pretty That's good. good. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. You know? Hmm. I like it. Even though you tried to edit all my stuff down into like one graphic. Just try to turn it into pictures. That's you what take, we do. You, you took 20 pages and turned it into one. I'm not hurt. <laughs> People like picture books. People like picture books. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I never was big on picture books when I was a kid. I was kind of weird that way. I like text. But um, uh, let me just set up the older Christian's guide to reading the Bible. And then we'll, we'll get into a discussion. And it uh, gives uh, Stone and Merrily a chance to get comfortable. Uh, most we, we, we have a podcast coming out that talks about how to read your Bible spiritually. And this is sort of in conjunction to that. But the Older Christian's Guide to Reading the Bible is something that I um, stumbled upon in the sense that 
it's very challenging to really enjoy reading your Bible for decades. Very challenging to see it as fresh every time. And one of the scriptures that I read that I thought illuminated this concept of the older Christian's guide to reading the Bible was Psalm 92, verse 12 to 15 in the New Revised Standard Version. And if you go to the How to Have a Quiet, Great Quiet Time uh, article, you'll find in there uh, a section on finding a Bible translation. And the New Revised Standard Version is one of those translations uh, that uh, is set up for you. But in Psalm 92, verse 12, the righteous flourish like the palm tree mm. and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. In old age, they still produce fruit. Mm. They are always green and full of sap, showing that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. One of the things, and old age is not about chronological. It's spiritual. Right. So right. you might be 35, but you've been a Christian for... 10 years or for 15 years. And so we have to look at that and ask ourselves the question, as I've gotten older, have I lost my capacity to be excited about God, excited about the Bible? And when I read the Bible, is it really becoming sort of boring to me or predictable, like a movie that you've seen 10 times? And you start to, you know, I have some movies like that, like Gladiator. I think I can recite the first 10 minutes of it because I love that movie so much. Mm. Or Harry Potter. I like all the Harry Potters. You start, you know, knowing when things are going, this is this is when this happens. And you get excited about it. But there are other movies that you see it and it's so predictable, you don't want to watch it anymore, like Rocky Five. You know, you don't want to do that. You're like, no, I don't have any of that. Rocky Three, yes. Rocky Five, don't want to see that again. Don't want to do that. And so how are you doing on reading the Bible? How are you doing spiritually? We're excited about all of you who've been communicating with us about the way you've used the Quiet Time series, about the way you've been using the website, people all over the world, people in different parts of, of, of our country and where we live in the U.S., um, just getting so many cool stories. And so you've helped us increase the number of people listening to our podcast and using our site um, by uh, a significant number of people. We, we started out a year ago doing this. And uh, we're in the thousands now, and we're really uh, happy about that. And we we're just feel, we feel like we're just getting going. But uh, if you've been around a long time as a Christian, you probably feel some of the, you know, that ah, I'm just not that fired up to read my Bible this morning. <clears throat> this I read before. I heard that in Matthew before. I already know what's coming. I already know what's coming. Jesus is going to get crucified. I already know it. So why do I need to go read it again? And so what we're going to talk about a little bit is, okay, how do you read the Bible and how do you get inspired? And so one of the things I want to start off with, Stone, is just to get you uh, in on this uh, first is uh, I know you've been looking at the part of the How to Have a, quiet, how to have a Great Quiet Time series uh, that talks about reading the Bible spiritually, the, the four types of reading and, and next level Bible study, et cetera, et cetera. What are the things that kind of come to mind for you when you think about being an older Christian and, the, and overcoming the challenge so that the Bible remains fresh and inspiring every day uh, and doesn't get dull and become a point where you just stop really listening, even though you may be reading? Yeah, that's, those are such great, great questions. I think the thing that as you were talking, what was coming into my mind, I was, I was sitting there thinking to myself how fascinated I am about how easy it is for me 
to become dull and distant and detached. And that, when I'm in that sort of mindset, I'm heart set, I, I don't get much out of my Bible. And I think that I get that way when I'm not uh, in a discovery mode or I'm not in a good, having good conversations about, you know, how I'm doing, how I'm feeling, things I'm feeling, particularly. Uh, as you get older, I think older people, as we get older, we get more fearful, but we get more prideful and don't want to admit to anybody we're afraid. I think that those things affect my ability to, when I open up my Bible and I'm dull and unaware of what's happening to me or what's what I'm thinking or feeling, then I'm reading in like a, you know, I'm reading in the, I don't want to say third person, but... <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like a great athlete. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not reading it in in a in in experiencing what I'm reading. I'm so let, just. Sort I, of, I just want to go back because you said something pretty interesting. You said as we get older, we get more fearful. Yes, I thought that's pretty profound insight. What do you mean? Well, I think as you get older, uh, we're dealing with. Um, we probably have. We, we have our kids and their lives. Uh, and their spouses. And their spouses. Their, their spouses, Marilee. And their kids. And their kids. Oh, boy. Uh, then you think more about uh, your finances. You think about health. You, th- you have parents that are uh, having health challenges. Uh, you, you, you're, you're, right. You're, like, how's this going to play out? You know, you're, you're the, 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 end ga- the end is getting closer. So, you know, even if it's 20 more years or whatever, you, can, you know, the, if the last six years has gone by fast, what is the next 20 going to go, you know? Well, and you're also... So the fear of that. Go ahead. Yeah, you're also much more aware of your, of your energy level or the lack thereof. And so you can wake up in the morning and think about all you have to do and compare that to your energy level and start to get afraid. Like, will I be able to get through this day? Right. Those are just some yeah. simple things. So yeah. the, the interesting thing to me then is when you're reading your Bible, and I'm going to just extrapolate on what you guys are saying, and you can say more about it. One of the challenges as you get older in life, whether you're going from 15 to 25, 25 to 35, 35 to 45 or beyond, is that you get greater amounts of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And as you get greater amounts of responsibility, you also begin to fight the battle of having a greater difficulty having the energy to engage those responsibilities. Right. As you get older, your capacity to handle stress decreases, probably for two reasons. Physiologically, yep. it's yes. more challenging, but also there's more there. Yes. It's almost as if we needed the stress of our older years when we're younger, physically, our bodies would handle it better. Right. So as all that's going on and all those fears about health, about finances, about children, about children's spouses, about kids, uh, uh, sorry, about grandkids, grandkids yeah. Uh, and then there's the, the, the in-laws, the parents of the, yes. the, the spouses. As all that stuff starts to collect together, you open your Bible. There's a world of anxiety, I imagine, and a world of, of how do I get control of this that makes it difficult to read the Bible. Is that what you're saying? Or difficult to pay attention or difficult to stay yeah. riveted. Is that, would that be right? Yes. Yeah, that's the... Or, or even using the word predictable, you know, that, you know, you kind of know, okay, if uh, I know I need strength in God today. And there's the days that you kind of go, I'm really going to make that happen. Or there's the days that you go, I know what the Bible says, and I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. But I think the battle of even putting in, putting it in wanting to change like you know predictability i mean i think when the scriptures become really predictable to me is when i or and i shut them down is when i don't really want to change i don't want to change that emotion i don't want to change the fear i don't want to change the anxiety and it's even though it's not working for me 
you know, it's kind of like where I'm at. So if I'm listening to you and I'm, I'm grasping the holistic, you know, perspective that you're sharing is predictability when you get older can also be good or feel good. Meaning I don't want any surprises. There's enough surprises. Mm-hmm. I don't want to end up reading my Bible and finding out I got to change one more thing when I already have 10 things I got to do. Is that kind of what you're saying too? Is that not only is it predictable in the sense that when you read it, you know what's coming, you don't want to find out anything more, but also I know for me, I'm a routine person. So I get, I like to get up at the same time. I right. eat the same thing. My schedule's done the same way. I do this. I, I do a set of exercises yep. that are the same because it's it's the reason when you're a little kid, the psychologists tell you, it's the reason why when you're a little kid, you come into a classroom and you sit in the same seat every time mm-hmm. because in elementary school, middle school, high school, because our mm-hmm. brain automatically organizes itself to figure out what's routine that I can just do without thinking. And then I have time to work on the things that require my full attention. So when I'm talking about predictability as a friend, as we get older, it's that sometimes we drift toward predictability because we don't want any, we don't want more stress. Absolutely. And if you're reading the Bible and let's say you decide, Hey, I'm going to read, um, you know, I'm in Ezekiel today. I'm going to read Ezekiel. Well, you know, one, it's a long book, right? So, you, you, anxiety, fear makes you impatient. You right. don't want to sit there and go, how many more chapters are there to go Absolutely. here? And then Ezekiel's full of crazy stuff. Yes. You know, like God will take your heart that's hard and turn it into a heart that's soft. And then you got to think about that. And Ezekiel 22, sure. it's a whole chapter about corruption. Like we don't even want to have to process all that when we get yeah. older, I think. Mm-hmm. And some of what you're saying about predictability is, and I think it's a good thing for everybody out there is, we can sometimes read the Bible predictably because we want to. That's right. a little bit of what you're saying. We want to know what's coming. Right. We want to know what we're going to have to deal with. Right. And we don't want to read any book of the Bible that's going to surprise us. Right. Or make us feel uncomfortable. So if I'm angry, I'm definitely not going to go read the book of James. Right. Because it's going to hit me right in chapter one with being angry. And right. by chapter three, it's going to talk about how I use my tongue to hurt other people. So yes. I'm not reading James. Let's go read Psalms. Mm, let's go 90 mm-hmm. to 99. That's right. probably going to be pretty right. safe. Right. Except, and in 92, which I already read, it's going right. to say when old age, you can flourish. And I want right. to hear that. And so predictability, I think Mary Lee's identified a real important one. We have to fight our desire for predictability. Yes. And I think for me, it kind of translates sometimes comfort because the idea is to avoid stress so you just go to the scriptures to look for comfort and not look to change or to meet the stress with more strength or to have more God-centered or God-focused or God-power. So I think comfort and stress become two things that you, you – to avoid stress, you don't realize you're drifting into comfort. And then you just like reading the scriptures that give you comfort but not help you change. And there's probably some people who are going to be listening to podcasts getting mad just having to think about the fact that they're getting – predictable and comfortable and be like, no, I'm not getting predictable and comfortable. It's just that time of my life. But I think the thing is you got to calm down out there if you're driving, you know, you don't want to hit anybody. <laughs> so uh, just, 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 just relax for a minute. Now, what I'm going to do in a minute is I'm going to bring uh, Stone and Mary Lee around to uh, the 16 books that we talk about mastering. And if you look at them, I'm going to go over a couple things first for the, for, for our listeners and for all of us. But if you look at them, there's an element of God in each one of them. Yes. I want you to be thinking about what you think if you were going to sit take that list of, of, of books and say, man, here's two or three that I feel like I really ought to tackle, or here's two or three that I feel like people that are parents ought to really tackle. 
or here's two or three that I think, you know, young marrieds ought to tackle. I don't care what you come up with. Today's episode is brought to you by deepspirituality.net. So if this conversation interests you, head on over to deepspirituality.net for more content, devotionals, commentary, and even YouTube videos that are all aimed to help you walk with God like never before. While you're there, make sure to sign up for our newsletter, and then you'll be able to experience our new campaign, Kickstart Your Quiet Time, a personalized morning devotional delivered right to your inbox. Remember, that's deepspirituality.net. Now, back to the show. But let me go over a couple things for those who've been listening to the podcast that are in the section about how to read the Bible spiritually. I'm just going to pick up in a portion of it. Um, Spiritual reading is pursuing the spiritual meaning for faith and heart to please God. So when you're reading your Bible, one of the four suggested ways to read the Bible is to search for spiritual meaning to build your faith and help you develop a heart to please God, which that's a foundational one. Mm. Number uh, two is literary reading, finding emotional and visual inspiration in the language of Scripture. And so what you're trying to do there, and it's covered in an earlier podcast, is you're trying to get yourself in the spiritual and literary reading of the Bible to develop a foundation where you can build your faith, be able to identify, understand, and grow in your heart response to God, where you can get an emotional and visual inspiration, where you read the scriptures, feel the scriptures, and see the scriptures, all by really centering in on the language. Number three is intellectual reading, learning about biblical time, place, culture, and history. Really important, but if you don't learn how to do the spiritual and literary, you can end up being very dry and even grow distant from the Bible because you're finding out facts instead of getting your faith. And then theological reading, academic study of religious ideas, doctrine, and concepts of God is probably something very, very narrowly focused on those who want to make this their academic pursuit or career. But for some of us, we want to get a little more into understanding all of these things. That's a form of reading. But if you don't get the first three down and you start with theological reading, you're probably going to end up turning into a theoretician as opposed to somebody who practically lives it. And so you got to be careful there. What I've attempted to do is place these types of reading in order of greatest value for those attempting to live the Christian life, as opposed to becoming a leader or a teacher. For this purpose, the foundation of building a great relationship with God is, as I mentioned, number one and number two. After we learn to consistently connect with and obey God, that's literary and spiritual reading, we can carefully add number three and four, always on the lookout for spending more time analyzing than being obedient to Scripture. You are busy analyzing the scriptures, frantically pouring over them in hopes of gaining eternal life. Everything you read points to me, yet you still refuse to come to me so I can give you life you're looking for, eternal life. John 5, 39 to 40 in the Passion Translation. There was a time when I would have prioritized intellectual and theological ahead of spiritual and literary. But 30 years of ministry has taught me that those who begin there usually lose their interest in scripture, which probably accounts for the dismal discovery of Pew Research regarding the disinterest reflected in the graph that you can find in the article. And what the graph says is it tells us is that when it comes to frequency of reading scripture and you take a graph of 100% of adults, 35% read it at least once a week. So 35% of the people read the Bible at least once a week. So there's, there's no one on the list in this graph that reads it every day. Nobody. Mm. Mm. So at least once a week, 35%, once or twice a month, 
10%, mm. several times a year, 8%, sev- seldom or never, 45%, and 1%, they just don't know. And so when you look at adults, and you know we live <laughs> in a country, in particular in the U.S., that uh, still, by a large percentage, uh, claims to be uh, Christian. Um, we're talking about that when you look at adults, the highest percentage that read it with diligence are, are those that read it once or twice a month, and that's only 10%. And so it's actually um, a, a typical response of someone not to read the Bible every day. And one of the things we are talking about in deep spirituality is the need to have great quiet time, and that does begin with reading the Bible every day. But you're going to be rare or exceptional if you do that, and you should be. Mm. If you're going to be a spiritual person, you should be exceptional. In short, if you follow the levels one to four, meaning going from spiritual reading, literary reading, intellectual reading, theological reading, and build your reading. If you follow the levels one to four, then there's a greater likelihood you will read the scriptures daily, which as you can see from the chart that we shared with you is rare. Rare is what it means to be spiritual, to pursue God at an exceptional level and with a unique devotion like Ezra. In Ezra 710, it says, for Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and the teaching his decrees and laws in Israel. Once we become inspired by our daily spiritual and literary reading of scripture, then we can seek greater encouragement, depth, and knowledge by remembering four tips that we've listed. One, word studies. The easiest way to create a word study is to purchase the digital Bible, then place your word of choice in the search box, press enter, and then read each scripture to get insight into the particular word. An example would be to search faith, then go through each of the scriptures to gain a better understanding of faith. So word studies, character studies is another one. I really like these. The value of a character study is we can find a person in scripture we can relate to, learn from, and become inspired by in our walk with God. This study is accomplished by using a digital Bible to search for the name, say, Jacob or Mary, then beginning with the first chapter where you find their name. Read every ensuing chapter until you've read all the scriptures have to say about them. And if you're using a journal, what you want to do is record that and record the lessons learned. Number three, commentaries. Bible commentaries and dictionaries help make sure we are not merely forcing the word to mean what we want it to mean. Commentaries provide background on actual word meaning, cultural factors, history, etc. They prevent us from forcing the word to mean what we want it to mean by taking into consideration the views of several scholars. We don't have to agree with these scholars. After all, they're human like us. But consulting them helps us understand whether we're being uniquely insightful or simply out to lunch. Now, we want to talk about, in closing, 16 books to master. This is a hard list to create, but I want it to especially help early readers know the key books for knowing God and becoming spiritual. So the goal here is the key books for knowing God and, and becoming spiritual. That's what you're trying to accomplish. We talk about reading the Bible spiritually. It's about knowing God. And so let me just ask Stone and Mary Lee right off the bat, just going over the kind of studies we talked about, looking at the 16 books, just tell me, Stone, what hits your mind about reading the Bible as you're consuming this, thinking about this? Just, just the idea of people who rarely read it every day. Just what were some of the things that are, that are going through your mind that might be good for listeners to know, relate to, with regarding to, to, with regard to older Christians drifting away from reading the Bible? Well, I think how much we are spiritual beings and how much you miss out on understanding the spiritual world, which affects everything in your life. That's good. So the Bible, I think, gives us insight into that 
Uh, and I think that's super important. Yeah. So, so Mary Lee, when you we didn't, I, I'm just going to ask you this. Is a, this is a little bit of a complicated question, so I probably shouldn't drop it on you without telling you ahead of time. But right, when you look at the word study, character study, commentary study, uh, are are any of those favorites of yours, or do you have a kind you like to do this different? My favorite would be the word study. The word study. Word studies. I I, I like to kind of like figure out what my need is, um, you know, and then really study it out in the Bible, look at it, what it says, because I can be pretty self-deceived and, yeah. you know, and also, you know, I go a lot by, you know, I've been was raised a thing more in terms of my emotional state, like yeah. what do I feel about this versus really what God's word says. Yeah. So I think the word studies have been really helpful and I, I, I like that a lot. I think um, I will, though, add that um, after, you know, um, your article or the How to Have a Quiet Time series came out, it, it stimulated me more to thinking about having um, uh, character studies yeah. because character studies um, – I mean, I think I haven't been really good at character studies throughout yeah. my life. And um, what's hard about them? Do you know? No, I don't think they they are hard. I think I ha I just tend to I just so much go to word studies and 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 reading books of the Bible and stuff like that. But I think the character studies it hit me recently that that would probably re be a lot more helpful for where even my brain is at these days. Like I have a lot of brain fog, and I thought you know a character study is probably something where if you're really looking at the Bible and what you know learning from the person's character and their relationship with God or what you know the good bad and ugly it just seemed like it would be something that i would be able to hold on to better yeah because um the what i'm finding with my word studies although i love them they tend to um i feel like i'm sometimes in a they're swarming around me and it's hard okay well oh you know yeah. grab one you know i just think that it would be really good for me i think that that's and i started to do that recently and i think that that's going to be more helpful but i think that was your yeah, point. yeah yeah you did great that was awesome you know word studies i think some people don't like word studies i mean usually people who land in the intellectual and theological reading of the bible they feel like word studies are taking the bible out of context and then making it fit what you want i don't agree with that but i understand their point um i think word studies are effective because sometimes you're trying to what you said you're trying to identify mm -hmm. what's my need and how do I how do I resolve, meet the needs, solve the problem, or understand that? And it could take you reading ten books of the Bible mm -hmm. before you even get a glimpse of that. Right. And I think there's a reason that God has given us technology. I used to do word studies with a huge concordance. Oh yeah. That was you oh, know yeah. yay big, like yeah. a, like a double Christmas gift. Yeah. And I would go through the whole thing, and I'm telling you, it it's it's unreasonable to me. And un unfathomable to me that anyone wouldn't do word studies because the Bible, I mean, the technology has made it so right. possible. Mm -hmm. But one of the things about character studies, and I, I, they're actually hard for me, is that when I do a character study, take Book of Esther, which is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I don't know that I have an unfavorite book of the Bible, right. so actually it's funny to say favorite book of the Bible. But I really like Esther because when you look at Esther and you study it, one of the things that, you, you know, you're a parent. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you find out automatically in the beginning is that Esther is insecure. She doesn't want to have anything to do with being anywhere near the palace, the competition of the harem, which sounds funny to say harem in the 21st century, the competition of the harem. Uh, but when you see her go in there and basically just under her uh, cousin Mordecai's tutelage, and then she's getting the makeup, it's like, 
holy cow. I mean, that is some of the most serious makeup experiences right. known to man. Right, right, right. To, for, I'm a guy, so I don't know anything about makeup. But I'm like, it's incredible. So when I read that, I'm visualizing and I'm going, here's this girl who's probably living her life. You know, she's lost her parents. She's got a home. She's trying mm-hmm. to make, you know, day after day, do what she's got to do, probably have some fun with her friends. And suddenly she's thrust into this environment. Now, for those who've been asking me about what literary reading is, that's what it is. Uh. It's diving into it, understanding the story, listening to the story, putting yourself right next to Esther like you're one of her friends and seeing it. So to me, character studies are not just learning about the character. It's putting yourself in there. My favorite character is Jacob. I, I relate to Jacob in many, many ways, but I've studied him deeply. But it takes... It can take two weeks to do a character study, and that's why they're hard. Right. Because you got you can't just read the Bible. You've got to find every reference to the person. So you got to right. read Esther, but then you got to see is Esther mentioned anywhere else? And then you got to look at Mordecai, and then you got to say, what, what is Mordecai's role? And that's where you get down to right. the cousin. Now, how'd that happen? And what's yeah. that going on? So you get the whole complete story. It's a lot of fun, but it'll make you sweat. Yeah. But I like what you said about the mixing it up. Uh, the, the, the primacy of word studies. I think, I think if you're out there and you want to do one of these, that's a really great place yep. to start because it'll give you satisfaction. You'll feel like, man, I got something that really helped me. Mm-hmm. But don't, don't sleep on the, on the character studies. And once you, it's kind of a, once you get the character studies, word studies down, using commentaries can be really helpful. Um, I obviously, I'm not, maybe it's not obvious, I use them a lot. But so, Stone, I'm going to get you in on the books since Mary Lee knocked out that last part. Yeah. Talk to me about what you think about the 16 books. Uh, maybe you got questions, whatever. You can go online, again, to Despirituality, www.despirituality.net, and you can get a, you can print out, it's almost like a, a bookmark of uh, the top 16 books and take the challenge of uh, reading all 16 of the books, and I think you'll enjoy them. But uh, go ahead, Stone. Yeah, I, I, I love this. Uh, I love this. When I first read it in uh, on Deep Spirituality, the 16 books to master, I thought, how cool is that? And that's exactly what I came away with. Like, I'm going to read all 16 of these. But I love the fact that you gave a little insight for each one of them as what I'm supposed to, what I should be looking for, or what we should get out of them, or what it, what its intent was, however you put it. And the fact that it was God, God allows us to intimately know Him. Psalms I, that that super helped me a lot. So I've already got Ephesians down, and you know, I th- I thought. You know, at first you were going to say, "What's your first? The three you like the most, or whatever." I said, "Well, that's tell me that. That's a tough. That's a tough pick." But I went. I went and I said, "Let me do the what just when I just did a quick look." Yeah, Jeremiah jumped out of me, particularly as you're getting older. The the you know God reminds us no sin is as destructive as forgetting Him. I think as we get older, the creeping in of the business of life and humanism. Yeah. Is we we are really susceptible to be forgetting God. Now we think we wouldn't, yeah, because we've been around and go to church and we've been around a long time. Yeah. But I think it's easier than people think. Wow. And I think it's a day to day decision. Yeah. And I think there are probably hours and days that many of us just forget about God. The other one's First uh, Peter, obviously. Su- you know, God teaching us to handle suffering with faith. I think life is challenging. Uh, we. We, we're not going to get through life without challenge. I think as you get older, you tend to like want to... Uh, you got a little band right there playing? Stone's phone. My phone went off. You got a little music right there. Who is that? That, that was just the phone ringer. Oh, or, I thought you had a music on there. If I, I've, got, I've got Downton Abbey on mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Apple. Apple's playing banjo. Oh, Apple banjo. Go for it. Sorry to interrupt. I would go get the opening riff of Hotel California if I could figure out how you to do that. You can get that. that. <laughs> Nathan, Nathan helped you get that. 
So, but but I, I think as you get older, you keep thinking that okay, let me get through this one challenge, and then we'll be done. Yeah. And then and then you, you're not looking to build faith; you're looking to get through the challenge yeah. and not have it anymore. So I love that. And then obviously, First John, God reveals that the most distinctive quality of His people is love, and uh, you know. It's the certain type of people we're supposed to become, right? right. And love being the greatest. I, I love that as my, what am I still supposed to become? And love is supposed to be the distinctive quality of of a Christian as he matures. Yeah. And I, th- I find that as a good challenge. But anyway, love the I love the 16 books to master. I love that you sort of write down uh, a brief description of what the book should help me understand and then getting through them. So brilliant idea. That's awesome. Well, we're really excited about our podcast today. And if you want to check out the 16 books, remember, go to www.deepspirituality.net and you can get uh, you can print out a little bookmark and you can take them on. You'll notice that eight of those books are Old Testament. One of the things I think is uh, almost it would be accurate to say dangerous is how few Christians read the Old Testament. Uh, I think it's a huge mistake. Old Testament tells us the stories in detail that the New Testament doesn't give us. So you get detailed information about ordinary people's lives. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm living my life, I like to know that there was a guy out there who was just struggling to take care of his kids, mm-hmm. or there's a guy out there just trying to figure out how he's going to get from city to city. Exactly. Like, sometimes life is not about all the, I mean, you go to book of Acts, it's like miracle after miracle, battle after battle. But some of these people are like, Hey, how do I get a, how do I find water? Got to get water for the sheep. Like sometimes we need that. Let me just leave you with a couple of thoughts before we uh, get out of here about you're probably wondering, hey, give us some 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 practicals about what we can do with regard to, uh, you know, uh, being an older Christian, wanting to get more inspired by the Bible. So there's four things I want to leave you with. Number one is the concept of being broken open. There's actually a book about that. I didn't uh, bother to check it out. I own it. Uh, but uh, broken open is a is a it's a different kind of book. Some of you may find it a little new agey. I liked it. But it's basically that the way to become fresh is you got to let yourself be broken open. And I think that's a lot emotionally. You've got to let the Bible, you've got to let the prayer that you're involved with break open and get past a lot of things Stone and Mary Lee were talking about that make us want to settle into predictability or make us want to forget about spirituality because we feel like we have so many things to do. So being broken open, sit down and say, hey, am I broken open? Does my spouse, do my friends... More importantly, does God know what's really going on inside of me? Second, read to see. Read to see. Too often we read to read, but we want to read to see. We want to walk away from the Bible every time having greater light inside of us. We're looking for the illumination of our heart, our mind, uh, so that we see better inside of ourselves. We're often good at seeing what's wrong with other people or seeing great things about other people or seeing problems. But reading to see is letting God shine the light inside of you to help you get a better idea. And I think one of the things that one of my friends used to tell me about marriage to help me was that marriage is an adventure. And I think when you get older, you want to read to see that life is still full of adventure. There's still great things to do. Number three, believe you can change. A lot of times when we get older, we stop believing that we can change. We stop. It's not even that we don't want to grow. We don't think we can grow. And we can grow. We can keep uh, doing better. I love to look at Moses, who it says when God decided to, you know, take him on up and 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 no longer having lead Israel, he his eyes were still full of life, and so that means that he aged, but he didn't age internally. You believe you can change, and then number four, keep dreaming and keep growing. 
You know, I think a lot of times what I see with people that are older that I know is they're dreaming about a trip. They're dreaming about a, a new a new purchase. They're dreaming about those things, but they're not dreaming about making a difference in the world. If you want to go on a trip, that's great. But how about having a dream of making the world a different place and growing to be able to make that happen? That may be with your grandchildren. That may be with your children. That may be with uh, your, your, your children and their spouses. That may be with your neighbors. But you want to do something that allows you to keep dreaming and keep growing. The Older Christian's Guide to Reading the Bible. We hope you've enjoyed it. And thank you for listening. It really has encouraged us all the support you're giving us.